It's Wisconsin Public Radio. I'm Ezra Wall. You're listening to uh, an interesting conversation, well, hopefully interesting conversation, all about Secret Wisconsin, a guide to the weird, wonderful, and obscure. That's a book by authors Tom Manis and Christy Flick Manis, uh, and they are with me today on WPR. Tom, Christy, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having us, Ezra. Thank you. I want to explain a little bit about what's going on. Our audiences uh, will recognize having uh, good uh, good regional content in this hour, uh, but may not be familiar with exactly how we're doing it today. Kind of a partnership uh, between Route 51, which originates from our Wausau-based stations and airs on our Eau Claire-based stations as well, uh, and Newsmakers, which airs on our La Crosse-based stations. So Tom and Christy are uh, just the perfect guests for this kind of partnership because they've been all all over Wisconsin, and they have this uh, new book all about the weird and wonderful and obscure uh, oddities that you can find as you travel our wonderful state. So we decided to join forces today, and uh, and you might be listening to this show uh, during Route 51, and you might be listening to the show during Newsmakers, and we welcome you all. So let's get started, Tom and Christy, just for people who are not familiar with your work. Tell me how you got interested in visiting all the quirky little places that Wisconsin has to offer. We've been traveling through Wisconsin for years and years. Christy's originally from Madison, um, and we've been married for 28 years, and we always take day trips. So when we have extra time, we're always out exploring somewhere, you know. And so um, the way we love to travel is by back roads and two-lane highways because you never know what you'll come across, especially in small towns. I mean, small towns have quirky little things um, that you just don't see everywhere. So that's how we came across uh, most of the things. You know, some of the things we've known about, and we just had to go back and see them again and again. And uh, we discovered a few new things that were uh, pretty exciting, too. You like uh, you like digging up little uh, sort of lesser-known gems in Wisconsin's small towns. Why do you think it's so important to focus on our uh, smaller communities along the way? Because... When you look at larger cities, larger towns, um, you know, they really, they have a bigger budget to advertise and to show what they have to offer. And a lot of times you see the, the you know, the same things over and over, but you, but the small towns really just don't get the love. And they, don't ha- they don't have the chance to highlight what's going on in their small towns. Or, or a budget. So... So we love that because we love quirky. And when we come across things, we get so excited, you know, that we found something new that we haven't seen before. Christy, do you do you make a big, when you're setting out, I mean, obviously you might kind of know where you're going to go. Do you have an agenda when you set out? We really don't. Um, we just get in the car and go. No matter where we are, if we're in Wisconsin, you know, anywhere in the United States or even overseas. We just go because you never know where you're going to end up or what you're going to find. What do you think the advantages to that approach are? You never know what you're going to find. You know, I think too, um, so many times when you plan, you know, you you see things and you, you plan and you get there and go, oh, you know, and, and, you know, that wasn't so great. It wasn't what I thought it was. 
And, you know, a lot of the big tourist attractions, you know, everybody takes the photos from like one spot. And then you get, because it might be the only spot available. So what we found is often those most popular things we get, you know, a disappointment from. But it's those those little things that we find that we haven't heard about that for our family makes the memories. And those are the things that we talk about forever. One of the things that I love to do when I'm traveling is, uh, uh, is to, is to find, uh, the, the food that's maybe off the beaten path, the, uh, the non chains, the, the dusty looking place that's just been in town for 80 years or, or whatever. How important is food as part of your journeys? Oh, it's definitely important because, you know, the the funny thing is, it's so important that if you want to get a feel for an area or a region that you're in, we always go to a grocery store. They'll have local and regional food, and, and you really get the vibe of a place from a grocery store. And then you stop and have a conversation with people, you know, and, and they're happy to point out, especially in a small town, they have a lot of pride in pointing out, hey, this is where to eat, you know, this is, you you know, you have to try this dish or... You have to go see this waterfall or you have to go see this unique art exhibit or people love to talk about their area. And that's how we find a lot of things. Just by talking to people. Yeah. Mm. So speaking of uh, some of those things that you find by talking to local people, let's start out in... uh, I don't know whether you want to start out in Eau Claire proper, but we might as well since that's your hometown. Uh, what what have you found around your own uh, home environment? Well, first of all, have you heard of Croca Curl? No. Okay, it's it's an Altoona. Uh, the Parks and Recreation put it on. It's the 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 Eau Claire uh, Recreation Department. You know, during COVID, they were looking for something to get people active and outside, um, but to keep people active. So the the director was looking on a a recreation Facebook page, or excuse me, a Facebook group, and uh, she found this Canadian game called Croker Curl. And what it is, it's it's a combination of um, curling and also the wildly popular Canadian board game uh, Croconol. So, so in Winnipeg, uh, architectural firm, uh, there's two people that work there. They put it together, came up with this game, and it's spreading across Canada like wildfire. You have a sheet of ice that's about, if I remember right, it's about 45 feet in diameter. And you have um, teams, you, you four people, up to four people can play. Two teams, either one person on a team or two people on a team. And so you have a, a small junior-sized curling stone, and the the court is, uh, I guess you call it a court, the rink, how about that? The rink is, um, uh, or it has circles around it, you know, in each, each uh, circle you score certain points. And if you get the stone in the middle, it's the most points at 20 points. So the Altoona Parks and Recreation, uh, they put it together right away really fast, and for the first year, and they, they knew they had, they were on to something. Uh, so they, they made the, the United States Croker Curl Championship. Uh, they started that in Altoona. Now every year, uh, it's held in Altoona, and people come from around the region, and uh, 
uh, and so forth. So it's a lot of fun, too. I mean, it really is a lot of fun. And the, the best thing about that is anybody can play. It could be families. You don't have to be any good, really. Um, you know, it's great for kids. We, our son and I, our son and, and me, we played, and uh, and our goal was to not come in last. So, I mean, that shows you. That's, that's a, value, a, a viable goal there, Tom. I mean, that's, that's bragging rights. That's right. <laughs> I, we didn't lose, technically. Yeah, and right? I've heard about it over and over and over again. <laughs> I it's, love it. It's crazy, though. It's a lot of fun. So, um, um, the uh, little bit north of Eau Claire, uh, I've I've read about the canoe museum. There's a yo-yo museum. Uh, all, all of these interesting little places to visit. Uh, Christy, is there a favorite museum that you have in the area that people oh, might not know about? Absolutely, the yo-yo museum. Okay, tell me about it. I absolutely love the yo-yo museum. First of all, I didn't know yo-yos were made in Wisconsin. And we had to make a trek up there. We had to, I had never been to Luck. It's a little bitty town. And it just overwhelmed me that they made the yo-yos when the yo-yos were popular. And the guy who started the factory moved his entire process to Luck. Now, it's not there anymore. Um, I think they're made in Chicago now. But... The museum is definitely worth the visit. They have yo-yos like you wouldn't believe from forever. And they have the world's biggest yo-yo. And they have a store where you can buy yo-yos. And I had to buy a few yo-yos. Okay. Because I haven't had one since the 80s. And do you, do you how, how, how is your yo-yo prowess? Well, it's not very good. No. But okay. I do pull it out occasionally just for fun. Okay. You know, a yo-yo can keep you very busy at an airport when you're bored waiting. Right. And everybody looks at you and nobody sees yo-yos anymore. So if you want to get attention, get a yo-yo. I can't remember the last time I've seen one. It it never occurred to me that you don't see them anymore. I know. And up it's by Eau Claire, a dying art. Up near Eau Claire. Where, where was it? You can go to the Yo-Yo Museum. That's in Luck. In Luck. Okay. It's way in the northwest corner. And it's, it's part of the library in Luck. So the tiny little yo-yos to big, huge canoes. Tom, tell me about that canoe museum. Oh, it's one of the coolest museums you'll find. You know, we've been to Spooner, and, and we had no idea. I mean, we've passed it. We go, oh, Canoe Museum. Oh, okay, that's interesting. But when we actually went there, it was so cool. Um, so inside, they have displays of canoes. And everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, canoes. No, but really, is it? it's so much different, uh, and there's so much to that. Because they have all kinds of canoes. They're beautifully restored. They also have a shop inside where they restore the canoes. And... You know, there's canoes in there that have sails on them, like sailboat canoes, and they have chairs in them, you know, where they sawed the legs off and attached them to the canoe so they'd be more comfortable. Aren't there famous canoes in there, too? There are. There's yeah. a lot of famous canoes. But this also tells you the quality of the Canoe Museum. Um, the um, National Forest Service commissioned Shell Lake Boat Company um, years and years ago to make canoes for the National Forest Service. And there really aren't any around. 
anymore. But they, they found one uh, and they wanted to restore it because they're building a, a brand new National Forest Service Museum in Montana. It's right next to the Smoke Jumpers Museum in uh, Missoula. And so they, they tracked one down and no, it was in such bad shape. Nobody wanted to repair it. Nobody even touch it. But the, the Canoe Museum and Spooner said, okay, yeah, we'll give it a shot. So they completely restored a National Forest Service Museum, uh, and it's completed now. And um, they're actually showing it at different places, um, and it's going to be on display for, uh, I think it's an environmental display. Uh, when the National Forest Museum Service Museum opens in, uh, I think, a year or two, they're, they're still building it, still in plan. So, so I mean, it's it really is good quality. Uh, museum uh, donations are um, accepted, so you know the whole family can go for a decent price. Um, but there's just really so many cool things in there too. I mean, you'd be amazed at what's in this little small building. They did a really nice job. That's a good point too. That you know donations are accepted, but um, when we wrote this book, we wanted it to be family friendly and affordable. And you can actually do every single thing in the book. For you, you can experience everything in the book for $64.80. Oh, wow. And granted, you know, we didn't include, include donations, you know. Yeah. Or if you, there's one place in there, if you went there, you might want to buy a donut or we didn't include that. But for admissions and everything else, I mean, that's if, the cost of doing the entire book. Let's be honest. If buying a donut is an option anywhere, that's what I'm doing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that. It's not in the Eau Claire area, but we need to talk about the fish fry. Ooh, tell me. Tell this me. is one I love of the it. quirkiest things you'll find. Okay. Um, have you ever heard of a, a place you can have a fish fry, a, you know, fried fish on a Friday morning? Uh, no. Okay. There's a bakery in Kenosha that's been there forever. And every Friday morning for... How many years, Tom? It at least forty. The the new owner has owned it for over forty years, and she has no idea when it started, but they just keep the tradition going. Okay. And you can walk in there at seven thirty on a Friday morning, and have a fish fry. Now, granted, you're not going to get coleslaw, you're not going to get uh, fries or a baked potato or hash browns, but you can get fish and shrimp and it is incredibly delicious yeah it's really good wow yeah. and that's in, that's in kenosha what's in the kenosha. name of that place oliver's bakery okay oliver's it, bakery in kenosha cool. and you would not believe the amount of people that line up on a friday morning to get their fish and shrimp it's oh, crazy that sounds amazing they they take orders um so most people order ahead of time and then they'll pick it up there's really not a lot left for walk-ins that's how crazy it is. Oh, wow. And they also have a, a really cool neon sign, you know, that reminds you of your road trip days, you know, from way back when. Yeah, oh, yeah. and not to mention their donuts are incredible. They, <laughs> now, see, which see, is how we got on out. the subject to exactly. begin with, right? <laughs> Don't forget the donuts. And, and they're one of the few, it's, it's an old school bakery, and they're one of the few bakeries that still make homemade buttercream. Oh, wow. That's neat. I like it. I like it. Well, we're talking to Tom Manis and Christy Flick Manis today. They're the co-authors of Secret Wisconsin, a guide to the weird, wonderful, and obscure. And we will continue our conversation in just a moment right here on Wisconsin Public Radio. 
you're on Wisconsin Public Radio, and we are on a conversation about the secret places of Wisconsin, the weird places that you might not have heard of, the wonderful and obscure roadside attractions, museums. Uh, we, we heard about a fun game you can learn to play in the Eau Claire area, uh, and we're talking about it all with Tom Manis and Christy Flick Manis, who are the authors of Small Town of, uh, of Secret Wisconsin, a guide to the weird, wonderful, and obscure. I almost started to say the name of your blog, which is Small Town Plus Size. Uh, tell me about your about your blog and how people can find you. Well, we're we're travel writers. We write for our website, smalltownplussize.com, and also uh, online um, online magazines and, and print. Um, so, smalltownplussize.com uh, is the best way to find us, and all of our social connections are on there too. Instagram is Small Town Plus Size. Uh, Facebook is small town plus size. Um, so it, we're pretty easy to find. So we, we've spent some time talking with a, with a detour for some donuts in Kenosha. We spent some time talking about uh, the greater Eau Claire area, that part of western Wisconsin at any rate. Uh, heading uh, south out of Eau Claire, uh, we're eventually coming to La Crosse, and, uh, and sort of between is... Uh, the birthplace of Laura Ingalls Wilder, the the famed author of the Little House uh, s- series, and uh, and she's famously uh, spent some time in in Wisconsin. Tell me about that location and what people experience there. Well, you can go and see the cabin. It's not the original cabin, and that's probably about two miles out of town, out of Pepin, and that's kind of interesting, especially if you've read the books. Now, she was only there for a few months, but it's still definitely worth a stop, and little kids would love going there. There's a nice park. You could have a picnic, but not a lot of people know it's there other than locals. It's a fairly small—I've been there. I've been there. It's a, it's a fairly small uh, exhibit, uh, but the thing, the thing that I like about it, we've talked—most of our time has been spent talking about a couple of museums that, that you could go to. This literally is a place you can just stop by on your, on your way uh, somewhere. Right. If you're looking for a thing to do for you know, 15 minutes or a half an hour— uh, this is this is a a good way to just experience just make a personal connection with a book you might have read or or something that you might be sharing uh, with your kids and it's not uh, it's not it's not that structured it'd be it'd be a great thing for people to do if maybe they have uh, like I said younger folks who are not going to put up with <laughs> seeing uh, a bunch of canoes in a museum right and the nice thing is it, it's outside so we like getting out in nature and. It's a great place to do it. You know, there's a nice little park there. But it just adds substance to maybe a little day trip. Yeah. Another great place to stop in that area would be Durand. Okay. Tell me about Durand. So a lot of people pass Durand every day and have no clue what they're missing. Uh, in, in downtown at the Corral Bar, the owners decided that they wanted to expand, and and so they bought the, the next-door building for an event room. So one of the owners, he started tearing a hole in the wall um, to to build a doorway. And, you know, he got a wall building uh, big enough, and he realized there's a buffalo there, a really colored buffalo behind the behind the wall. So, you know, of course, curiosity. He, he, he uh, you know, then he started carefully opening up more. And what he discovered was, a temporary 
circus poster from 1885. And it was only supposed to last for two months. And it's 55 feet long by nine feet tall. It's been amazing, amazingly restored now. The, uh, the Baraboo, uh, the Circus World archivist at Baraboo, he said it's the, the most complete and, the, and uh, the most colorful circus poster of that kind, which is lithium that he's ever seen. Mm. So, and it's really cool. I mean, you would not believe the colors and, and all of the print. And it has, you know, it has all the animals and circus scenes and it has colorful, like fish from the ocean. And, and just, it's amazing the, the, the color and how much is still there. Um, so now it's, it's, you know, like I said, it's been restored and they have it protected behind glass. You can go see it anytime as long as there's not an event in the room. I mean, you can literally just walk in and check it out. It's really cool. That's neat. That's really cool. So now we're 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 heading uh, we're heading to the to the lacrosse area. Eventually, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to take a turn to the east and go to Sparta. But what it, what do you know about uh, about quirky little things in and around uh, Greater Lacrosse? Well, there's uh, the the rock in the house, um, not house house on the rock, but rock in the house. It's in Fountain City. Are you familiar with that at all? As I, I don't know the rock in the house. I've been to the house on the rock, okay. but, but I don't know the rock in the house. In Fountain City, there's a huge boulder that rolled into the back of a house. And the house is there. The rock is in the house. The rock is as big as a room in the house. And they just left the house. All they the didn't, furniture. They didn't rebuild is still, it or anything. That's no, just there. No, and it's open. You can go in there. Um, there's obviously little critters in the house, but they left the furniture and the old TV from like the 70s and stuff on the shelves and the bed still made and in the kitchen. Yeah, and it, oh, wow. it's just open. It's not so like the people that had been there are no longer there. They just left. They just, they just left, left the house. Yeah. But it's definitely worth a stop. There's, it's hard to get to. It's on the main road. Um, they have a little driveway. You can drive up there and get out and walk around the back of the house, and you can see this huge boulder sitting in the house. And then you can you can go in too. The doors open. You go in and look around. Yeah. I mean, it's a step back in time. Wow. It's very unique. When we were there, there was three other cars there. I think they. One was from Iowa and one was from Minnesota, but everyone was a little curious. But just be prepared, be prepared because you're probably going to see a mouse or who knows. <laughs> I mean, it, I was a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you walk in, too, I mean, you, you walk through the house, you see how, you know, parts of the house are still intact. But then in the back where the, the big boulder is, it looks almost like a wheel. It's It's just kind of huge. But where it came through was the stairs. And so you can take a few steps up the stairs. I mean, I don't know if I'd recommend it for safety-wise, but, I mean, I just peeked up there as far mm-hmm. as I could. But you can actually see where, where the rock came through and the stairs and the and the attic. And it's completely open. That's really interesting. Well, uh, when, when we're done uh, looking at the rock in the house, uh, we keep going uh, and, and, like I said, turn east uh to the the uh, small city of Sparta where 
uh, where bicycles and bike trails are, are very well known in that area. What else is going on in Sparta? Well, there's the fiberglass graveyard. Fiberglass graveyard. And a lot of people talk about that, but until you see it firsthand, you you can't experience it. You walk through a maze of, oh, big boys and... All the road trip icons that you can remember from like Route 66 type stuff. Okay. And, yeah. and also the Dells and places like that. Yeah. Wisconsin is a haven. You know, if you drive through the Dells, you see all the fiberglass things. But this is where all their molds go to die. It's exciting. So, so it's a huge collection of fiberglass molds. So you're, you're not right. You're you. It's almost like, it's it's almost like you're seeing the beginning of their industrial process. Right. So you're seeing the shape of what they made. And there's all kinds of things. I mean, from and it's so big it's laying down. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with the muffler men back from the the road trip days, but. Uh, it looked like it was one of the muffler men, but they're made by a different company. But, you know, they have their hands just right how they hold a muffler. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe 30, 40 feet tall, maybe. Wow. And there's all kinds of Bucky Badgers there and bridges and water slides. And it's okay. just, it's really fun. Yeah. And you, the fun thing is when you go through, you know, it's it's the mold. So they, they pour the fiberglass inside. So you're seeing the outside of the mold, and and you're looking at it, you know, like, wow, what was that, you know, and and what could this be? It's just really cool stuff in there. Oh, there's also some, uh, I think, um, there's some big fish molds in there too. Maybe a musky, possibly. Oh yeah, there was a lot of those. Yeah. Interesting. So, so some of the stuff you recognize, some of the stuff you want, you yeah. know, but it's just so much fun just to go through and look at it. Well, it's almost like it'd be even more fun, the stuff that you don't necessarily recognize. You're like seeing, a, it's it's almost like seeing a photo negative of something. You're seeing that sort of re- reverse molded image of it and, and you try to figure out what it is. Like if I, if I, if I poured, you know, if I poured a, a, a moldable substance into this, what would it come out as? Right, Exactly. And we, we did learn, too, that one of the things you want to look for for um, an authentic big boy uh, statue is um, you want to look for his hand that holds the hamburger up. You want to make sure it has a tray because there's some, some cheaper knockoffs out there that don't have the tray, and they just – they're not that great. But okay. these have the tray. I mean, that's something you want to look for. Just wow. a little quirky piece of information that we just recently learned. <laughs> yeah. See, there's too much research. <laughs> no, never too much research. <laughs> well, we're talking to Tom Manis and Christy Flick Manis. They're the co-authors of Secret Wisconsin, a guide to the weird, wonderful, and obscure. I, I don't know how weird or obscure cheese is in Wisconsin, but it certainly is wonderful. Uh, and and I think I can say that without ruining my journalistic credibility. Um, so so there are just tons of of little uh, cheese shops all over the place. And uh, and our producer uh, suggested that I ask you about w- which are which might be your favorite if somebody's if somebody's looking for uh, a little bit of cheese along the way. Oh, Tom is your man for that. Tom he's is the cheese guy. Okay, with, yeah, he's oh, obsessed yeah. with everything cheese. Let's okay. talk cheese, Tom. So, so <laughs> the first thing is, it's a, it's, you know, you have to you have to for the cheese, you have to set the table just right. Right. So Wisconsin, you know, some people know this. A lot of people don't realize this. So Wisconsin is one of only two places in the world where someone can obtain a master cheese maker certificate. The other place is Switzerland. 
Mm. So it's also re- referred to as like a PhD in cheese. Okay, and it's extremely difficult. And when a cheesemaker, I mean, it takes a minimum of 13 years to, to obtain a certificate. So when a, when a cheesemaker, um, when they go through the program once and they want to they get certified for a different type of cheese, they have to go through the ent- entire program again. I mean, nothing changes. Per type of cheese? Per type of cheese. Wow. Yes. So that gives you a little background. Okay. So one of the places is uh, in uh, Stanley, okay, um, Lagrander's Hillside Dairy. Now, the interesting thing is they make all the cheese curds for Culver's, okay? And, and if you were to put uh, as many cheese curds as they make a year, if you were just to just separate those into a regular size order of cheese curds, that would be 21 million bags of Culver's cheese curds that they make a year. And the interesting thing is also with that is that the um, one of the grandsons uh, has just obtained, I believe it was in the spring, but he is the second person to get a, um, a master uh, certificate for cheese curds. And it's a new, they just added the, the cheese curd program to the, to the master cheesemakers. So he's only the second person in the history of this gotten that. Um, so that's important. But then you go to one of our favorites. We absolutely love Nasonville Dairy. And but we love it. We love their cheese. But we think they have probably one of the best ice cream cones there is. Which is part of Nasonville. That's Weber's. They own also Weber's. They have several different things. But, but at Nasonville Dairy, though, you know, you go to, it's like an old school small town cheese shop where the plant makes their cheese and then they put it out for locals and locals go in and they cut what you want, um, uh, you know, how they used to do it. They cut what you want and wrap it in paper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this this has, it's a very narrow store. It's really small. They have a lot of cheese in there. Um, and it's, this is all wrapped, though. It's already pre-cut and wrapped. But we love getting their fresh cheese curds. You know, you can get them when they're still warm. Wow. You know, oh you know, my about, goodness. Yeah, they do it that morning. It's about nine o'clock. Their cheese curds are incredible. But um, Nasonville has um, four, it's either, I think it's either four, I think it's five now master cheesemakers on staff. In between them, they are certified as master cheesemakers in 18 different types of cheese, which is really cool. Uh, and then they also um, there's three three brothers that own that, and one of them was married to the person uh, that owns uh, Weber's uh, farm shop in uh, Marshville, and of course they sell their cheese there. And the cool thing about that is, you know, when the when the uh, World Championship cheese competition rolls around every year, mm-hmm. every sorry every two years. And then every two years, there's an international cheese competition. You know, those rotate each year. They will take the cheeses and they'll sell it, you know, from the competition. They'll sell it by the pound for like dirt cheap. I mean, I think it was like $2 a pound. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a little secret that not many people know about, which is really cool. That's astounding. Yeah. But the thing with Weber's, though, too, is um, we all like a good ice cream cone. So of course. They have, they have a soft serve ice cream that is incredible and it's uh, supplied by the local dairy 
Um, and you would be amazed. I mean, it's, every time we go, there, you know, winter, summer, it doesn't matter. There's a huge lineup at the drive-thru window. People are stopping in just to get an ice cream cone or they're walking out of the store with an ice cream cone. Every single person has an ice cream cone. And if they don't, there's, you know, there's something up because it's just unheard of. We're talking to Tom Manis today and Christy Flick Manis, and they are the co-authors of Secret Wisconsin, a guide to the weird, wonderful, and obscure. They also are the purveyors of the blog Small Town Plus Size, and you can check that out online. And we're taking sort of a bit of a road trip through Wisconsin today uh, to all of the quirky places that, well, as many as we can fit in our conversation anyway, of the quirky places that Tom and Christy have visited over the years. Uh, next up, we are going to head uh, to central Wisconsin and north central Wisconsin, maybe even into the North Woods if we have enough time. Uh, so that's coming up right here on Wisconsin Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Wisconsin Public Radio. I'm Ezra Wall in our Lacrosse studios on the campus of UW Lacrosse, uh, welcoming listeners from uh, all over uh, the state today. Uh, we're we're doing sort of a partnership show between newsmakers out of Lacrosse, which I host regularly, and uh, Route 51, which originates out of our Wausau studios. That's hosted by Shireen Seward who is on assignment this week. Uh, we also welcome listeners from Eau Claire, who regularly uh, are here with us on Route 51 as well. If you'd like to get in touch with either one of our shows, I'll give you both of those email, email addresses. Uh, if you have ideas, comments, anything you'd like to pass along to the crew. Uh, for folks in the La Crosse area, you can reach out to newsmakers at WPR.org. That's newsmakers at WPR.org. As for listeners uh, in the Wausau area and people who catch Route 51 out of Eau Claire as well, you can go, uh, you can email Route 51 at WPR.org. That's Route 51 at WPR.org. Now, Tom and Christy, uh, as as I as I uh, said, we're going to turn our road trip sort of towards central Wisconsin, Marshfield, Stevens Point, Wausau. Uh, we're heading east, and there are interesting stops. Let's see. Let's see uh, about uh, Nielsville. What What's going on in Nielsville with this talking cow? It's a huge cow, um, fiberglass, which possibly was made at uh, Sparta at that factory, um, and you can put a quarter in it, and it talks to you, and it says all different random things. Um, it's also on the grounds of the pavilion that was in the World's Fair. The New York World's Fair. I can't remember the year. I can't the remember year. the year, though. <laughs> we're, we're both looking at each other. We're drawing blanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's a futuristic building from, I want to say maybe 65, but I might be totally wrong with that. I think it was about that time. But the cow stands outside and... Like I said, you could put a quarter in it, it talks to you. And they, they change the sayings up throughout the year, too. Now, we've been having a lot of fun talking about uh, uh, all kinds of quirky little uh, oddities and things like that. Um, uh, there there are really meaningful things that you've come across uh, as as well. Uh, there's a, a museum in, uh, called the War Room Museum uh, and World History, which is in Marshfield. Tell me about visiting that place. Well, they have some really unique things in there that... 
you would really be surprised with. Uh, but, you know, a, a few months ago, I believe it was in June, they did have a fire in the back of the building. So it's closed right now. Mm. They are restoring a lot of the stuff. And okay. where it's going to open is kind of up in the air right now. Um, but they have, like, a huge finish um, um, type of machine gun that, I mean, that's really unique. Um, but they have they have documents. They have um, um, displays. They have flags from most, I would say most of it's probably World War II. Um, and they have um, all kinds of just little, little things in there that, you know, are just really cool. And, and the owners and the volunteers are really knowledgeable. I mean, they can tell you about everything you want to know about it. Um, you know, from, and they have some rare stuff in there too, from, uh, Germany, World War II, um, and from Japan, um, and different places. It's just packed. You just, you couldn't believe how much stuff was just packed in there in that little space. And they also had a had a basement too that was full of uh, different things. Well, here's hoping they get uh, everything restored and find a good place to a, g- a good place to uh, put those items on display again. That'd be very good. Uh, from from here, uh, I want to I want to uh, in honor of the in honor of of the season, which by the time this interview airs uh, will be will be just a couple days past. Halloween past uh, the Day of the Dead uh, and and those things that honor those which have come before us. Uh, in Stevens Point, we're getting a little bit spooky with some haunted bridges. Tell me about the haunted bridges. There's a bridge north of Stevens Point. It's called the Bloody Bride Bridge. Now, there's no research to back this up. Well, th- um, there's never any research to back up any of the good stories. No. We dug. <laughs> yeah, and dug. And, and we dug. went there, <laughs> and we tried to find anything. Um, but as the story goes, there was a bride that died on her wedding day on this bridge and was in her wedding dress. And there was a police officer that was driving the bridge and this bride ran across the bridge in front of him and he hit her and he got out to see what had happened and she disappeared. And he looked everywhere, couldn't find her, got back in the car, looked in his rearview mirror and she was in the back seat. Mm. And looked again and she was gone. And Many people over the years have claimed that the same thing has happened to them. And there's quite a following that goes there at night to try to see the Bloody Bride. Now, granted, we went there in the middle of the day. And I don't think I want to go at night. It's is less scary cool. less scary in the middle of the day? Yes. <laughs> Especially when the sun's shining, really yes. bright. That's uh yeah that 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 sounds it's a, it's at, at the very least an interesting tale. It is an interesting tale. But there's something else um very unique in Stevens Point. Okay, tell me about it. If you're driving on US 51 and go past the fire station, there's a fountain with a little boy statue pouring water into the fountain. And this has been there forever. Um the little boy statue actually arrived in Stevens Point in about 1895. Oh, wow. And it was placed in the center of town 
as a drinking fountain. And later on, it started to get in disrepair, and it ended up at the fire station. Now, they had to take the original down to get it restored, and they didn't put it back up. They made a fiberglass mold at the same place again Okay. in Sparta, and that's out there. Um, it's, it's unique to see, but the original is in the basement of the fire station, and the firemen are caretakers of the original statue. Oh, wow. And the statue can only be seen from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Okay. Because the college students at UW-Stevens Point like to steal the statue. <laughs> so so I'm, that's sure, a, I'm sure not all the problem. college students. Yeah, yeah. So that's a problem. So they decided years ago that they were just going to take it down when school's in session. And and he's actually on the cover too. He's holding yeah. the boot up, and there's water coming oh, out. Oh, is that the one the with the with the the, the little boot? It's the called leaky the boy boot. with the leaky boot. Okay, yeah. And it's on the cover of it's on the cover of your book. Yes, it is. yes. Okay, so if you want to see the leaky boot, I'm sure you can Google it and find it. But but even better to uh, check out uh, Tom and Christie's book, Secret Wisconsin. That'd be interesting. Yeah. There's also back if you if you want to talk a little bit about Halloween stuff. Okay, it's kind of kind of kind of spooky too. Um, it's, uh, it's in Elk Mound about 20, I think it's a, uh, maybe t- less than 20 miles from west of Eau Claire, mm-hmm. right off the interstate. Um, there's the, um, um, there's a tower, a rock tower that was built, uh, to honor deceased postal employees and specifically rural mail, mail carriers. And you know, this is when they... You know, this was when they delivered mail by horse and, and so forth, you know, back in those days. But so they, they built this they built this rock tower. It's uh, a couple stories tall and it has an observation uh, deck on top. And you can actually see it from the interstate. Just look for the flag on the north side of the interstate and, and you can see that you can see the tower there. Um, but they have around the flag, they did things like they took from every single postal route in the county they they took dirt and then they planted it. Uh, there was there were, I believe there were twelve of them, twelve different routes, and they planted it around the flagpole. Um, but the thing is, at nighttime it gets kind of spooky because there are um, reports of people hearing children screaming through the night through the woods, um, and different moans and groans. And there was a couple or a family, I should say, there was a family there that was coming down the steps from the observation tower. And um, one of the members, somebody pushed them from behind, but, you know, and they almost fell down the stairs, um, but there was nobody there. But they, you know, they the family did witness that. So there's, there's a lot of spooky tells about that. So if you want to check it out, go to the, the, um, uh, the Elk Mound um, Tower at nighttime. You know, and see if you see strange lights and okay. sounds and yeah, that's not for us. This that's not us. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no. no, but but if you want to, you know, take a shot at it, 
you know, yeah. see what happens. Well, let me um, let me uh, just uh, a little bit of a time check here. We've got a few minutes left, and I want to make sure uh, that we get up into the North Woods. Uh, I, I, I know uh, I've been to Rhinelander. I know how beautiful it is up in that part of the country, and a lot of people go there just to relax and to fish and uh, do all those uh, wonderful things. Uh, I know the big green hodag is a little bit weird, but uh, that's part of the culture up there. What else are we going to find up in Rhinelander? It's not in the book, but at the, the Pioneer Park, um, you know, a lot of people know about Pioneer Park. Mm-hmm. But go in the, the main train station building and go downstairs um, to the um, to the basement, and they have an enormous display of model trains uh, or a model train set. There's several trains, several tracks on there, several, several communities, lumber mills, it's all about the history. It's absolutely huge. It's one of the best model train sets we've ever seen. Oh, and there's also the um, CCC barracks there right. on Civilian, display, which is really interesting. Civilian Conservation Corps, mm-hmm. uh, which was really neat because you, you just don't see that stuff. You see the statues, and, and you hear and see what they did and what they built. Um, but to actually see how they live was really cool. There was also a POW camp in Rhinelander um, where they brought in German POWs, and they worked in agriculture in the Rhinelander area. Hmm. A lot of potato fields. Okay. Interesting. I, I, I want to ask both of you before we go. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, of all the places that you've, that you've been, uh, I, w- I want to ask each of you for a best-kept secret, someplace that you really want to make sure that uh, people take away from our conversation today. So uh, in just a short amount of time, Tom, what, what would be your best-kept secret? I think one of the one of the the coolest things out there is uh, in Janesville. Um, there's a restaurant called the Cozy Inn. It's the second oldest Chinese restaurant in one location, and um, the the um, the owner now, his mom bought the bought the restaurant a long time ago. Uh, she was a cook in and uh, uh, exclusive Chinese restaurants in Milwaukee, and she wanted to open her own restaurant, so she bought that. And the now the owner is known for, um, and the restaurant is known for the egg rolls. Egg rolls are crazy. They're two dollars and thirty-five cents each. But people return to Janesville or know about them when they travel to Janesville. They'll bring a cooler and they'll call several. It takes two oh, days wow. to make them, you know. So two days to make them. So they have to call ahead of time, and they'll take you know thirty, forty, a hundred back home with them on the plane. So that's why we call it travel and egg rolls. But on a side note. The owner um, now, he, ha- he had an older dad, uh, and what a lot of people didn't realize that when the Titanic sunk, his dad was one of the six Chinese survivors that was rescued. Mm. And they found him floating on a door, uh, and James Cameron, who you know made the Titanic yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. he actually made a documentary about, about the six Chinese survivors. It's called The Six. And... Um, so that was interesting. And then um, uh, my mind went blank. There's something really important to add to that. But Oh, well, then it's my turn. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, my favorite thing is a swing park in Milwaukee, downtown Milwaukee. They have taken a little area under the freeway and hung swings from the, the freeway above. Okay. All kinds of swings. It has a sand bottom. Um, and there's swings for everyone, 
and they've put some murals around it, but it's such a peaceful place. And here you are under the freeway in the middle of downtown. Wow. And you can swing. And it, it's, it's a really nice That's place. That's really neat. And there's also Gravity Hill. Oh, see, we could just now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got could, us going now, We could Ezra. go on and on forever. Just, let, me, yeah. let me just say uh, thank you very much for being here. And I want to make sure uh, with our remaining moments that, that you let people know where they can find your work and especially where they can get a copy of the book that we've been talking about, which is Secret Wisconsin, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure. The book is available everywhere right now. Um, big box stores, Amazon, small book stores. Barnes can, and Noble. Yeah, anywhere. Online. Um, yeah, online. In, in Eau Claire, Volume 1, uh, and also uh, Books a Million. And, and what about your website where people can read your blog? Smalltownplussize.com. So it's smalltown, P-L-U-S-S-I-Z-E.com. And, uh, and uh, the purveyors of that website are Tom Manis and Christy Flick Manis. It's uh, us. Thank you very much for being here with us today on Wisconsin Public Radio. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ezra. Thank you. This is Wisconsin Public Radio. We've been talking to Tom Manis and Christy Flick Manis, and they joined us from our studios in Eau Claire. Thank you very much. I'm Ezra Wall in our studios in La Crosse, and also welcoming listeners from uh, Wausau and the greater central Wisconsin area. So thank you, everybody, who's listened today. Thanks a lot to uh, Joy Ratchkramer for producing our show. Uh, let's see, Elizabeth Domes Harder giving us some assistance in the studio in Eau Claire, uh, as well as our engineering department helping us make the connection. So thanks to everybody. A team effort today from Wisconsin Public Radio. Uh, join us uh, next Friday uh, at the usual time for your usual show, either Route 51 or Newsmakers, right here on Wisconsin Public Radio. Wisconsin Public Radio.